ready? Let's get into it. Let's go. Welcome to the Ed Fernandez Show. I'm Tom Roussel, and with me, the man. Ed Fernandez. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. You look good, man. You I'm dressed like this. I'm dressed like this, bro, because I'm going to Vegas for F1. Yeah. It's been uh, four months we've been waiting. Yeah. So we, the plane leaves around 12. So we came in here real quick to shoot the show. Right. But I know it's a serious topic, so... <laughs> It is. You I know. mean, you look serious, but you look like you're seriously ready to go to Vegas right now. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm really not crazy about Vegas, but, you know, if I'm going to watch a bunch of race cars, yeah, it should be fun. No, it should be amazing. Yeah. I know they've been setting that up for yeah, so it's, long. It's yeah. the first time they've right. been in Vegas. Right. So it's going to be pretty fun. Cool. Yeah. Well, we're, like you said, talking about a serious subject today. Yes. It's how to be a dad without a dad. And... <laughs> glasses come off because yeah. you want to it's it's serious it's a serious thing and so i can start off with i did just a little research on households without dads okay so this is from afpi and 2022 data indicates that there's approximately 18.3 million children who live without a father in the home Holy that's one in four wow in the u.s about 80% of single-parent homes are led by single mothers. Children from single-parent families are twice as likely to suffer from mental health and behavioral problems. Uh, children with an actively engaged father perform much better in school. Some data shows that they're 33% less likely to repeat, repeat a class and 43% more likely to get A's. Wow. That's a big you, deal. I, you know, I'm doing some research and I, I understand that it's an issue, but it seems to be a growing issue. It yeah. seems to be, you know, we talk about mental health a lot and this show 50%. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So you grew up without a dad. Yeah. Let's, for those who don't know, let's start at the beginning. So I was born in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico, um, and uh, my dad was named Abdun Fernandez. They called him Mickey, like the mouse. And, um, you know, I don't really have, I think my, you know, I, I'll call him my dad, not my father, because he was never a father to me. He was just a guy who provided the seed, right, and had a kid. And, well, not only just me, but... Uh, my little brother, and then I have uh, three other siblings, four other siblings, uh, same dad, different mama. Uh, How close are you and your brother in age? Uh, what am I going to be? He's two years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, never, never, you know, we, I was born in Puerto Rico, and then two years later we moved to New York, right, Brooklyn, New York. So I lived in New York for a little bit. And uh, I flew out to Cali. My mom brought us out to Cali when we were 11. But I don't re really remember my dad being involved, right? The Christmases and the, and the Thanksgivings and the things like that. Uh, birthdays, you never, never really heard from him. So never understood why. Was he around at all at that time or just... You knew who he was, but he was kind of just not really playing that role at all. I mean, I saw pictures of him, and Got from it. time to time, I he would call. Okay. But it was like a complete stranger. Like, who's right. this dude? Right. So he yeah. did he live somewhere else at that 
point? Yeah, he was living uh, he was living in Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so that was because when we moved to Cali, um, you know, I moved to Cali when I was like 10 or 11 years old. Uh-huh. And so from time to time, he'd, he'd make some phone calls, things like that, but I think he was in PR. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any memories of, you know, you say you have memories of him not being there for Christmas, but is there anything that you feel like really affected you that you can recall that you were kind of realizing as a kid, like, I don't really have a dad. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until my mom like took me out to, uh, I think it was the Cub Scouts because I was little Cub Scouts. Right. And that was like, I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember we had a meeting in the, uh, cafeteria of the local elementary school and it was me and my mom and she was the only woman there. Mm-hmm. And and I look around and I'm like, all these kids have their dads, and I was like, where's mine? Yeah, right. And that's when I started asking a lot of questions and didn't really didn't understand what it, you know, why. Right. Right. Uh, it wasn't until as I grew up, I was growing up, I, I always wondered why didn't he want me? Mm. Right. And why did he reject me? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, I was the oldest. I was the firstborn. I was the, I'm the firstborn of all, you know, all the kids, right? So there's, what, one, there's four or five, there's six of us, and I'm the oldest, right? So I always wonder, what, what, what did I do, mm. right, for him not to be around? Is he in any other lives of your siblings? He do was, you? actually. Okay. He was. So my, my, my brother, Alex, he and I have the same mom and dad. Right. So he lives here in Cali. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he experienced the same thing I experienced, but my brother Michael and I got my sister Debbie, uh, Enette, and uh, shoot, that's brain fart. You named them all, okay. I think. <laughs> anyway, they, my brother and my sisters, um, they experienced differently with my dad because my dad abused them. So they lived in PR. Okay. Right. And so my brother, my brother, Michael, my brother, Michael always would say, dude, you're, he'd tell me in Spanish. He goes, you're lucky that you didn't have him in your life. Wow. Because the way he treated us was at least you didn't experience that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they all grew up in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Still there? They're still, well, no, no. Actually, no. They all, so Michael's in Florida. Cool. Inet and Debbie are in uh, NPR. And shoot, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. My sister's going to kill me. <laughs> I had a brain fart. My mother's sister lives in uh, Ohio. Okay, okay. Yeah. Evie. <laughs> Jesus, Evie. I'm so sorry. I love you. I'm just like. I have to wake up, so my bad. I love you, baby. I, I was reading Battlefield of the Mind this morning from mm-hmm. Joyce Meyer. We had another episode on Battlefield of the sure. Mind. And she said a quote that made me think, and it was, God spoke to her, and one day he said, Joyce, you can be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. Wow, that's good stuff. How did you not take on that why me pity mentality 
Oh, I did. You did? For many years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've been working on this for almost 10 years now. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be 56. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 46 where uh, I met my- But you look 46, right? I look 36. <laughs> what you talking about? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Sorry. <laughs> You're just messing it all up. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until- until my mentor came into my life, you know, mm-hmm. my mentor has been teaching me. And by the way, it's very important. Get a mentor, somebody that you can respect, somebody that shows their life that their life has been successful, not only just in, in finances and in business, but in, in, in the mental capacity and the discipline. So it's very important to have a mentor. But my mentor came into my life about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and my mentor started pointing things out to me and uh, didn't realize I was always acting like I was the victim, always having pity for myself, um, always feeling sorry, always acting like it was somebody else's fault, not mine. I was a narcissist, very selfish, didn't want to be inconvenienced. Um, I was had a lot of rage and a lot of anger. Um, and it all stemmed to a lot of rejection, mm. right? My dad rejected me, and that rejection... Uh, molded me right i mean he from from the time i was born to 46 years old it took me a long time you know i would watch commercials and i would see the dad throwing the ball Mm -hmm. on commercials and i would cry even as a grown man i would cry and i always longed for that hug like of a man, like, you know, I, I'm proud of you. I love you. Or, or you know, you're struggling as a, as a man and you want to pick up the phone and get, hey, dad, um, I'm struggling with this thing. I mean, how, how would you do this? You know, how did you deal with it? Never had that, mm. right? And so it was always a piece of my life missing all the time. So you took on that rejection as your identity. You know, it was, that it was who I was. And, and I was very angry, very angry at the world. Uh, very angry at m- my dad. Right. Uh, I ne- I never wanted anything to do with him. I would say to myself, I grew right. I'm six. I'm six one at the time. Uh, when I was 19, 18, 19 years old, I was six one, like two o five. Yeah. Right. Like I would crush you. Yeah. Right. And I would always imagine just me fighting my dad and beating the hell out of him. Yep. Right. Because I was so angry. Um, and wondering, you know, you're a piece of crap. You you left me when I was two years old and, and, you know, you didn't even care. So why should I care? And so I was very, very angry. Hmm. Yeah. Did you ever, I guess, what was the contact after when you were growing up? Well, so, uh, God, I think Darian, I think my son was like four years old. So he's 25 right now. So yeah. he's going to about to be 26. But uh, 21 years ago, I went to Puerto Rico with my entire family. I think wow. Nyla, who's 21, was six months old. Wow. Right? And so Shailen, my youngest, wasn't obviously born yet. So Ruth and I and our two kids went to Puerto Rico, and I spent 21 days there. And it was the intent I needed to find closure i needed to understand i didn't want to continue going through my life with all this stupid stuff going on yeah and so i i went to puerto rico um 
one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. I'm like, I'm never coming back to this place. Sorry for for all those Boricuas, you know, but... Uh, you did go back. But I went yeah, back yeah, because yeah, right. I, I'm like, now, oh, this place is a wonderful place. Right. You know, because I, when I went to Puerto Rico, I went into the poor neighborhoods, right? Um, El Campo, and, and that was in Aguadilla, my, or Maya West, actually. And it's up on the hills, you know, red dirt, you know, kind of like Gorilla of the Mist type stuff. Mm. Um and so I went up there, and you know, and it, and it's there's poverty. There's a lot of poverty. I, I, the majority of Puerto Ricans live, you know, uh, you know, depending on the government, right? I don't know about it now, but you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but that that's how it is over there. Uh, I don't know if it's changed or not, but um, went up there, and uh, everyone knew my dad. I right? didn't even by his name, Mickey. And so I went around the neighborhood asking, where's Mickey? Where's Mickey? Where's Mickey? Went to the liquor store, right, where all the dudes hang out, and they're out front drinking their beers. And uh, they said, oh, he's over there. And they pointed to me. They pointed to a tree. There was a man sleeping under the tree. Did he know you were coming? He didn't know I was coming. Oh, you just showed up with the whole family. He had no idea I was coming. Wow. Because uh, I had no communication with him. Yeah. My, my brothers and my sisters knew I was coming. Yeah. And this was the first time I met them. Wow. I never met them before. So this is the first time I met and them. And you were in your 30s. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. 36. Wow. 35, 36. So I found him under a tree and he was hung over. And uh, he woke up and I said, hey, Mickey, I'm Eric. Well, my middle name is Eric, right? Yeah. I'm Eric, your son. And here's your, here's your grandson. This is Darian. That's the first time I met him. Wow. Yeah. What did he what did he say? He started crying. Yeah. And he started crying like, oh my God, my son. And I'm I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. Right. Yeah. Back up. Yeah. Right. We ain't like that yet. I'm grown man. I got my own son right here. Yeah. And I see my baby boy and I'm looking at my little boy, Darian. He's looking at me, right? Wonderful, beautiful kid. And I say to myself every time now. How could you leave right. me when I look at my son and I say, I could never leave my son hanging. Mm-hmm. How could you leave me hanging? Right. right. So I, I really wasn't, I just wanted, it was more for me and what I needed, mm-hmm. not for him. So mm-hmm. I really didn't care what he needed. I just needed to get this stuff Was off that closure me. in a way? It wasn't closure because, you know, after a little while, you know, we, we hung out, um, you know, I gave him a shot to talk and, and say what he had to say. Uh, you know, he was he was homeless, bro. Oh. He was homeless. So, you know, I was making a little bit of money, so we went and bought him some clothes and stuff. And uh, But he was a drug addict, too. Okay. You know, uh, I remember we were driving around, you know, Puerto Rico, and we stopped at this gas station, and he, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And uh, he came out with a ring of powder on his nose. Mm-hmm. And I knew exactly what that was. And I pulled him out of the car. And my little boy and my wife are in the car in the back seat. Yeah. Right? And my daughter. Right? I pulled him out of the car and I said, don't you ever, ever do that again. What are you talking about? I said, the stuff that's on your nose, I could see it. At that time, I knew he was a drug addict as well. Mm. Yeah. So the trip goes on. You, it sounds like that's how the trip continued. You, you, you went for yourself. You had to see. You had to see him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just to know him, put kind of a 
face to the name and see, yeah. okay, yeah, he he was jacked up. He was jacked up. Mm-hmm. Did you continue contact after that trip? Well, so, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, throughout the trip, I remember one day uh, it was raining and we were outside and he was crying. He was crying and he was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and and I want to be like you. And I and I said to him, I said, you want to be like me? I said, the only way you're going to be like me is you got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hmm. because that's who changed me, hmm. right? Because of the rage and the and the and the things that were going on in my life, I was a knucklehead, right? I was going yeah. the wrong direction until I found until I got saved and Jesus changed my life, right? And so I told my my dad. You know, notice I'm not calling him my father. I only have one father, right? He's just my dad. Yeah. I told my dad that, um, you know, you have to get saved. He goes, how do I do that? And I said, just repeat after me. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he rose from the dead on the third day, hmm. that you shall be saved. Yeah. And so we said this in his prayer. Okay. And he got saved. Okay. Came back. He promised me all these things. Hey, I'm gonna communicate with you. I, I'm, you know, I promise you, I'm gonna be a part of your life. Maybe two or three weeks to a month, he would call from okay. time to time. We were okay. cool. All of a sudden, he disappeared again. Yeah. And I was good though because I did what I had to do. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was good. And then um, one day, my sisters called me and said, "Dad, Dad is in the hospital." What's wrong? He goes, he's got a stomach problem. They say he's going to die. He's not going to have much time. Can you fly out? I was like, I'm not flying out for that guy. Who is he? I don't know him. He had an opportunity. It wasn't that I was bitter or resentful. I knew my heart was good, but he died. And when he died, I cried. I didn't cry because he died. I cried because I missed the opportunity to know a natural dad yeah. that I never had or right. I never knew. That opportunity died with him. That's why I cried. And I, my feelings were, confu- I was confused. I was like, how am I supposed to feel? Am I supposed to feel sad? Am I supposed to cry? And I, I was so confused. I didn't know what emotions should I be feeling because I didn't feel any. Mm. It was weird, mm. right? And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there right now that are watching the show, maybe some young men out there that their daddies are not around. They don't know how to feel. You just don't know how to feel. It's kind of like you knew the opportunity would never come at now. Yeah, like it, was it was over. over. It, was it was completely over. over. It was over. It was completely over. And that's why I poured so much into Darian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's why Darian, you know, I wasn't the perfect dad. I, I had issues. Um, and, you know, I'm doing a lot better now by the grace of God. But I, I knew I would never, ever, ever do to my son that my, my dad did to me, yeah. ever. No, you're completely, it's not even on the same wavelength. It, it, it's, it's not even on the same planet, brother. It's, right. it's, there's no way, man. I poured everything I had into my son, mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. and into my girls, too. And right. I still continue doing that to my baby girls, too. Right. Yeah. How did your relationship, we, we always come back to Jesus, yeah, right? Amen. Right? Hallelujah. Let's go. How did your relationship with Jesus as you're growing up in your relationship with him, as well as your son growing up and then your two beautiful daughters? Yeah. How was, how was that being a father 
with your, you have a father now? You know, a dad slash father is one that is supposed to teach you life. It's, it's one who is supposed to teach you how to be a, a, a man, a real man, right? right? Um, and so when I got saved, this was like 1995, I got saved. This love that I had no idea where it was coming from. I mean, I knew where it was coming from, but I didn't understand how much love Jesus could give. I mean, it was like, I didn't know that kind of love existed. To this day, I'm, I'm, it made me start crying. <laughs> Jesus, Lord. I'm, I said to myself, I'm not going to, because people are going to think I'm a kook. I'm always crying on this show, man. I'm sorry. I'm going to not cry. But the father that I have in heaven is the father that has, here's how, what he's taught me. He's taught me to be normal. What's normal? Kind. Yeah. Compassionate, empathetic, understanding, patient, loving. And, and, and those things he taught me through life. Now it's taken 10 years. 10 years of my mentor being in my life and walking me through this thing by the, by the direction of the Holy Ghost. And God uses him to help me walk through these things. But I am nowhere near who I was 10 years ago. Right. And, I, and it shocks me, like, how screwed up I was, even as a lover of Jesus. So just because you say, Jesus, you know, I love you, save me. All right, you're in the boat, right? Yeah. Jesus mm -hmm. caught you. Uh, you're in the boat. Yeah. Right? But now you got to start cleaning you up. And that's a little painful. Mm -hmm. And you got to allow God to clean you up. And then the amount of pain that it takes to go through and get cleaned is, and the amount of pain that you're willing to go through to get clean determines how clean you get. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't want to, they don't want all in. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So. Right. So let's say the first 15 years of Darian's life, yeah. right? Then there's a transition from mm -hmm. when you have your mentor and that what your mentor did, correct me if I'm wrong, but he just brought you more in alignment of your identity in Christ and knowing some stuff out of yourself. Cause you were, you were still, you were angry with the kids and you were, you know, they, you had a episode with Ruth and they would, They'd be afraid when the garage door opened yep. and you would come in and you, yep. were a di you were a different man than you are today. Correct. So it, even though you had Jesus, I still the, fa the fatherly stuff still can happen, yeah. you know, yeah. um, with, without you having a dad. Let's talk about uh, Darian first because he's your son. He's your firstborn. Mm -hmm. What do you think you did differently than your, and I know it's everything, but yeah. purposefully, like, I'm going to do this for my son because my dad was never there for me for that. 
Most importantly, always wanted Darren to know how proud I was of him. Cool. Right? I always would hug him and kiss him. Mm -hmm. I hug him and, hey, <laughs> I hug you and kiss you now, huh, punk? With all that stinking hair on your face all the time. Whether he likes it or not. He's a grown man. Yeah. And I'm a grandfather now and he's a father now. Right. But I still hug him and kiss him. Yep. I always did that. Because you know what? The hug and the kiss of a man is different than the hug and the kiss of a woman yeah. or a mama. Yeah. So that's number one. I always want to know I loved him all the time. Number two, I always to try to teach him everything I knew. Yep. Right? Uh, football. Right? You yep. got to do this. You got to do that. Boom, 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 boom. You know, he came, became a very sick football player. Uh, never taught him mechanics, right? Because he never liked to get his hands dirty. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> you know, never taught him how to fix a bike or anything like that, you know, because we, we never needed fixing, yeah. right? Because we just yeah. buy a new one. Right, right, right. Take right. it to the shop yeah, or do whatever. Yeah, just get a new one. But for, for Daring for the first 15 years, those are the things I taught him. But the things I also taught him that were bad, I taught him anger. Oh. I taught him explosiveness was the norm. I taught him those things as well. So there were good things I taught him, but there were also bad things that I taught him for the first 15 years of his life. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you were the, we talked about it on your episode with Darian, but you were the loudest on the sideline. You were there at every game. You were, it, you went zero to 100 with him and he, you wanted him to be a mini you, but a transition took place and you realized you could just be his dad and not his coach. Yeah. Check out that episode if you haven't. It's, it's an amazing episode. But I, I'm a father as well to a two-and-a-half-year-old baby girl. She seems like she's turning 11 soon. She's so big. <laughs> but what was the difference of having a daughter that needs a father? Because it's a, it's a totally different experience from my understanding. Yeah, it... So a girl sees their daddy and I promise you what they see is what they're going to go after when they get older. Mm. Mm. Right? So if their daddy is an abusive daddy to their mother, they'll get into an abusive relationship thinking it's normal. When Nyla was born, she's four years younger than Darian. She went through a lot of that crazy too. Right. It wasn't until Shylan was born. Shylan was born 11 years after Darren was born. Mm. We call her the Cabo baby. <laughs> was it a oops? <laughs> oh, we were in Cabo. <laughs> so she came. At the time she was born in 2009, I really didn't start my journey of changing mm -hmm. until 2013. Okay. 2000, yeah, 2013. But now today, I've done a lot to try to unwind those things that I did. So when I sit with Darian and I talk to him, now he's a daddy, I kind of coach him a little bit about his marriage with his wife and, and, and how he should be. Because having a, a, a baby is very difficult yeah. and it, it triggers you if you're exhausted and things like that you get triggered and maybe you might snap a little bit and things like that but I, I try to tell him 
please make sure Cairo doesn't hear that. Make sure Cairo is not in that atmosphere because he remembers that atmosphere and I'm sure he doesn't want that for his son. So now um, I'm, I'm kind of unwinding what I've done with my son and my daughters, um, but all by the grace of God. Going back to what you were saying when you had, you know, little Darian there and it's like, how could you, how could you leave this? I'm the, like with my girl, we're going to, we always go to Mexico for our, you know, Christmas trip, kind of a close the offices. Let's go. We're going to Cancun this year. But I think that's, this is going to be like the longest time I'm going to be away from her. Oh shoot. It's like four, <laughs> four nights or whatever. Oh, I'm shoot. like, man, that's. You know, Kiva brings it up, my wife, and she says, you know, that's going to be like the longest you're being away. I'm like, don't bring it up. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I mean, it'll be an amazing trip, but I'm going to miss it. So I'm with you there. It's like, how could you, how could you even leave such a perfection, right? So being a dad to a daughter, I understand that. I think that's total, like you said, they go to what their dad uh a mold of their dad is usually who their partner is. So that's just profound advice. What other things do you teach biblically as like a mentor to your, now you have a mentor, but you're a mentor to your kids, right? Mm -hmm. What do you feel like you try and impart them on a daily, weekly, yearly basis that it's like, I want this ingrained in you as you're growing up. You know, as you get older, things don't become as serious when it comes to right fighting, right? I'm a right fighter. I always have the answer. I'm always right. You're wrong. And I'm going to win. And that's how I was, you know, mm. very arrogant and very like thinking I'm all that in a bag of chips. But as you get older and you get wiser and the gray hair starts coming in, you start realizing, you know what? It's better to ha be happy than to be right. Mm -hmm. You may be right, but is it worth ruining your happiness to be right? Mm. It's not. Right. It's okay to just keep your mouth shut and just be happy because the man creates the atmosphere of the home, right? When the man walks in, that sets the tone. So if you walk in with a tornado, a tornado around you, you're just blowing up the whole house. But if you walk in, uh, you know, with birds chirping mm -hmm. and the sun beaming behind you, everyone is just going to be so much happier. And those are the things that we, I focus on now is not to be a right fighter, but just to keep the atmosphere of one to enjoy each other's company. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's you set and you're a larger than life person, even aside from being the head of the household, but you're the head of this company and you, you can change, you can walk in the room and change the atmosphere. And that's a power that you for better, for worse. Right. Sometimes you don't want that, that type of responsibility. Wake up like, why do I, you know, we talked about it. I wake up, I got it. You got to do the same thing every day where you got to be a hundred percent every day, 110%. But you've done a good, great job. I got to tell you from knowing you this whole time, I've known you way almost, I don't know, 23 years or something. Uh, you aren't the same man. 
So just want to give you your thank you, your man. flowers on that. But thank you. Uh, do you think from business wise, do you think you trying to pro- provide for your kids is something that pushed you to be- become who you are today? Yeah, I, I did not want my kids to experience poverty. That is not an option. I grew up on food. Well, my dad didn't send us any money, right? He was a deadbeat dad, mm-hmm. bottom line. My mom uh, took a job, but she could only do so much, right? And so we were on government assistance, food stamps and welfare. And on that episode, I talk about government cheese and powdered milk, and no one knows what that is, and ra- rainbow-colored money, mm-hmm. right? That's back in the days we were called food stamps. But that was a direct result of what my dad did. Yeah. My dad put us in that poverty-type situation because he was intimate with my mother, and he kicked us to the curb yeah. and told my mom, you deal with it. And my mom, as a single mom, as you just made, you just mentioned all those statistics, statistics uh, as a single mom, did the best she could. So there was no way that I was going to have my kids mm-hmm. be poor. Right. It wasn't going to happen. Because being poor, after being rejected from your dad, then you're poor. So you go to school and you don't, can't afford the, the coolest Jordans, right? You can't afford to get a haircut, mm-hmm. right? Because your mama is trying to keep the lights on and the gas on so you can, you know, watch TV and take a hot shower instead of cold showers, by the way, we used to do all the time. We had to choose to pay the gas bill and not the electric bill because at least, you know, we would turn on the water and heat up the water on the stove, Right, boil it, and then put it in a bucket, Mm -hmm. and then add some cold water to it, and then we can take a shower. Where if if we just paid for the electric, right, then we couldn't take a shower. So we didn't pay the electric, and the electric would get shut off. But then we would steal the electricity from the hallway because the 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 landlord we had a hallway and i'd take an extension cord right and get one of those it was like a light bulb you would screw in mm-hmm. and it had a outlet on it yeah i didn't care i went up there boop, boop, put it up there and connected an extension cord and turned on the light to the hallway that yeah. wasn't our electricity yeah and i'd watch tv yeah you know but my dad put me in that position yeah Right. My dad, uh, we never went on vacations. We never owned a car. We would always have to ride the bus, the bus. We would always have to go to the grocery store, you know, and the grocery store was like two miles away and we couldn't carry the bags. So people would see me pushing the grocery cart. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I hated that. Right. Because as I got older, it was embarrassing. Right. Right. My dad did that to me. So as a father to my son. There was no way that was ever going to happen. I would run through walls to make sure he had everything he needed. Yeah. And, and Darren, did you get hooked up? Yeah, you got hooked up, huh? Yeah. He didn't have to go to none of that stuff. <laughs> He's got some Gucci shoes yeah, on right yeah, now. Yeah, he hooked so. up now. Shoot. <laughs> my, kids, my kids are balling too. They are. Yeah. They are. They're never going to have No, to never. Deal, yeah. You know what God tells me now? What? Here's what God tells me now. You will never have money problems in your life yeah. ever. Wow. Ever. Right. And that comes from my father. Right. My heavenly father. And I know I talk about money all the time, but look at it. Let's keep it 100. Mm-hmm. Money makes the world go around. Right. Without money, 
Countries make money. Wars are far over money. Money, money, money. So money is powerful. Mm -hmm. So my father always tells me I will never have issues with money again, which means that my, my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, um, I will leave a legacy for my babies and my baby's babies and my baby's babies in right. the name of Jesus. Right. Legacy is the word for that. Yes, sir. Your generational wealth. Yes, sir. You're starting it. The wealth of the wicked are held up for the just. You're going to start to see a transfer of wealth from all the people that have had it before mm -hmm. that follow darkness, do not follow Jesus, and that money is going to be held up for the just. If you follow God mm -hmm. and you are obedient to your father and you walk that walk with Jesus, there is by default no way you cannot prosper. Mm -hmm. It is not if you will prosper. It is when you will prosper. I don't know where I'm going with this, but you got to just walk that walk with Jesus. And I promise you, you will never lack nothing. Amen. Amen. Well, let me close with this. Your advice, one piece of advice for fathers yeah. out there who maybe didn't have a father, yeah. who didn't have that authority figure, or maybe did, and it was a horrible experience. Like I would, it sounds like your brother and your other sisters, they had a father, but you had it better than them. What do you, what would you say to those people that are trying to raise up their kids in this world? You know, being a dad, being a father is very hard and I get it. I know. Um, especially if you don't have a dad that, or a father that you could pick up the phone and, and kind of, bounce things off of, you know, because then you're just trying to figure it out. And unfortunately, the household is being under attack right now. And being a man is, you know, looked upon as being wrong. Um, but that's so far from the truth. But here's my advice to you. If you're a father out there that by the grace of God, you have the blessings of having a family don't make the mistake of thinking that the family is always going to be there for you. You know, my wife almost left me when we were 15 years in, and I would have lost all my babies, and by the grace of God, she stuck it out, and now we're just happier than ever. You know, you don't have to be right. You just have to be happy. And being happy is so much better for you and your health, for your health of your children, for your marriage. And I know it's kind of tough, you know, especially if you don't know who you are yet and you don't have an identity. And maybe sometimes you may be struggling with finances, you know, and finances play a big role in who you feel that you are because you want to be a provider for your family. But I would say this is that the most important thing that you would have to do is make sure that Jesus is the foundation of your life. Make sure that you follow Jesus with everything that you have. Make sure that you're absolutely obedient to what the Father wants you to do. And then what will happen is you'll find your identity. You'll find who you want, who you are, and who you've called to be. And then you know what? God is so cool. God will open doors that no man can shut. My God is a suddenly type of God, like right now. He can change your life. Right now, he can 
give you a job that you thought you could never have. Right now, an opportunity can open up for you where finances just flow into your life. And when finances start flowing into your life and you're able to support your family, make it your mission to be a better person. Make it your mission to be a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better friend. The Bible says that those who lose their lives will find it and those who live their lives will lose it. Don't live your life to lose your life. Live your life to find your life. Sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's not always got to be about you. And don't make it about you. Learn to serve. And when you serve, I promise you, you're going to have a happy life, a happy family, and you're going to leave a legacy that when you leave this earth, Jesus is going to say, hey, come on, man. You, you can come into the party, DJ and all that other stuff with all the angels and everything like that. So that's my advice to you. Just be a better you. Don't actually have to be right all the time. Just be happy. That's awesome. Well, you got to catch a flight, man. No, they, they, they got to wait for me. Oh, Remember? <laughs> I'm not going to say what I got to say, but they got to wait for me. My bad. <laughs> they ain't leaving without me. Well, the party doesn't start until you get there, I think. Yes, sir. That should be fun. Yes, sir. Uh, just a message to the listeners. Drop us a line on IG or YouTube. What, what kind of topics do you want us to cover? What kind of guests do you want? We're kind of switching it up. Appreciate you, everybody that's reaching out and continue to like and subscribe because it really helps the algorithm. Appreciate it as always, Ed. Yeah, you know, and uh, 2024 will be a little different. We're going to have a lot of guests on. That's the goal. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, he's going to get tired of hearing from me. But uh, we're going to have a lot of guests. But I want to thank you so much for watching the show. And I, again, I always say this, that you're the best part of Ed Brandish.